Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What are you listening to this summer? We have three artists on today you might want to add to your playlist if you haven't already. We're going to sample a Simpson country singer-songwriter, an Ojibwe-fronted band with sophisticated driving rhythms, and this roots blues musician, Brock Stonefish, with a message. We're back with your native playlist right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Biden administration has carved out $120 million for tribal communities across the nation to adapt to climate change. It's part of $440 million set aside for tribes from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act and other federal spending. The administration says it's the largest amount of climate change funds for tribes in the history of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. But as KMBA's Rhonda McBride reports, that money won't go very far. As director of the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium's Climate Change Initiative, Jackie Schaefer travels to places like Kivalina, which are being swallowed up by the ocean. She says this latest round of funding won't even cover half of what it'll take to move the community. Even a water system, an average water system, is 70 to $100 million for a community that size. So when you look at that, then you start adding those costs. It really is. It's expensive to build a whole new community. Schaefer says there are many other tribes in Alaska which face the same challenges and must completely rebuild their communities because their homes are too old to be moved. While Schaefer says she's grateful for the funding, she calls it a drop in a huge bucket of needs, money that has to be shared with tribes across the country. In a statement, the Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs, Brian Newland, calls it a historic investment, which gives tribes the resources they need to develop and implement protective strategies for their communities. Newland says tribes should look at this first $120 million as a down payment for more help once needs are identified and prioritized. Schaefer says all of this is good to hear, but wonders if the federal government has yet to grasp the true cost of climate change. Our people, because they're so connected to the land, air, and sea, when they see things wash away that connects them to their ancestry, it's devastating. Realities, Schaefer says, that are hard to truly grasp in both cost and magnitude unless they're at your doorstep. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. As the U.S. Mint continues its American Women Quarters program, one of the new faces to enter circulation is Indigenous. Zikala Shaw, a Yankton Sioux political activist, writer, and musician, is one of five historic women to be part of the program. It includes Maya Angelou and Eleanor Roosevelt, the likeness of Zikala Shaw, who wrote the first American Indian opera in 1913, will be minted on 600 million quarters for 10 weeks in 2024 before being discontinued. Joining her in this year's set, designed to highlight notable women in history, are Polly Murray, Patsy Mink, Mary Edwards Walker, and Cecilia Cruz. 
The Shakopee Mdewakanton Sioux community announced Thursday it will reintroduce bison on tribal lands in Shakopee, Minnesota. Dakota people consider bison a relative, and the tribe has been planning to bring them back. This fall, the tribe plans to welcome a small herd of up to 15 bison from Sisseton Wapaton Oyate in South Dakota. Chairman Keith Anderson says the tribe has restored and revitalized its relationship with plants over the decades and now has the opportunity to revitalize the relationship with bison, which will allow the tribe to bring back traditional ceremonies, food, and medicine to his people. The tribe's Land and Natural Resources Department is overseeing the process and learning from other tribes and organizations, which have successfully reintroduced bison. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Is your tank empty? There's another gas you should be worried about. Carbon monoxide can kill in minutes. But you can stay safe by placing CO alarms in your home. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling, your National Humanities medal-winning radio show and podcast. If you're taking a road trip, flying cross-country, or just looking for new tunes to enjoy this summer, we got you covered today. We're bringing in indigenous artists who've dropped new music recently, and we'll talk about the stories and culture that inspire their creative process. Najuan just released their ninth album, The Great Sea. Ojibwe singer Mark Marilainen delivers melodic vocals over a driving beat, while Brock Stonefish celebrates indigenous representation in his first album titled Turtle Island. He's a Lenape and Delaware singer and songwriter who worked closely with Gary Farmer for a blues flair. And Saltwater Hank blends folk and country jams behind his smooth baritone singing in his Simpson language for his new nine-track album. We'll sample all of that coming up, and we hope you'll join us. What indigenous artists are you listening to this summer? We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's meet our music makers. Joining us from the road on the way to the Kispiox Music Festival in British Columbia is Jeremy Paul. He's a Simpson musician who goes by the name Saltwater Hank. Jeremy, how you doing, brother? Hey, couldn't be better. It's a good time to be on the road today. Good time to be on the road during the summertime. Hope it's not too hot up there where you are. Speaking with us from Toronto in Ontario, Canada, is Mark Marilainen. He's the lead singer and creator behind the band Najuan. He's a member of the Chippewas of Nawash Unseated First Nation. Mark, great to have you on the show too, brother. Thank you. Great to be here. 
All right. And also joining us from Canada, uh, currently on the Six Nations Reserve, but soon headed to Toronto, is Lenape and Chippewa musician and artist Brock Stonefish. Brock, a warm welcome to you too, brother. Hey, Red on. Honey, bonjour. Quangnao. Segoli. Hello. <laughs> All right. Appreciate that introduction there, Brock. And Jeremy, I'm going to have you kick us off today. The title of your new album means Bentwood Box Full of Songs in Your Language. First, please tell us how to say that in Simpson and explain the significance behind that name. Yeah. So, Bentwood Box is a and the the whole title is will you hold Kaleem? And uh what that kind of signifies is uh is the our connection to the Bentwood box, um, which is a, a cedar uh box where the where the corners are steamed and they're bent together, no kind of no nails or dowels are used. And um what the Timsian people since time immemorial have been using Bentwood boxes for are items that we hold in uh, high esteem so oftentimes you'll you'll put uh, ceremonial regalia in there um and uh like pieces of uh what a shaman will use for healing people um as well as uh food storage over winter um so stuff that's really important to us as well mm. as um you know, that's where the metaphor of the song is because you can't really put a song in a box, but um, that's that's where that comes from is, is uh, songs are also a treasured thing um, in our in our culture. They sure are, Jeremy. And have you always spoken your language? I haven't, no, but I was lucky to have had the, um, as, as I put it, uh, as I've heard it put by linguists before, to have the sounds of our language stamped into my tongue from from a baby when uh, you know my great grandmother would speak some algech to me when when I was small I don't remember I don't remember it but it was you know it was one of the languages that was going around me at the time that I was a baby but I, I didn't really start learning it um, until later in life into my late teens and then um, been really really immersed in it for the last five years. And now you're writing songs in the language. That's got to be a challenge. It was at first because I was going at it backwards. I was going at it from an English standpoint. I'd written songs in English, and uh, those don't really fit together. The translations don't really go directly into our language, and there's a lot more depth to our language than in the English language. Um in, in terms of how to describe things on the land, how to describe um, thoughts and feelings. Well, there is actually no thoughts in our language. Everything is feeling. Everything is to the word thought, which means heart. And that's where every kind of what we would call in the English language feelings and thoughts comes from. So um, now going, you know, some years later after, like after I first started writing songs in our, in our language, um, I'm thinking of them uh, in our language before having to translate into English. Like I can complete a song in our language and, and then and then try to figure out what I'm saying in English after that. 
Okay, so you've reached that point where you can actually think in your native language, and that's that's a big yeah. Deal. That's cool, really cool. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I, I think so many native languages are like that. There are just certain things that don't really translate into English. I hear so many different native people from different nations and different languages say say similar things. So, at any rate, let's go ahead and take a listen now, Jeremy. And uh, this is a sample from this new album and the song Bawis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It was a single released before the album. Let's hear it. All right, listeners, what did you think of that? Jeremy, I, I got to tell you, as a, an old schooler like myself, I just love that 
that it's got that two-step in sound. It just brings back <laughs> memories of, of back in the day, hanging out. Really, really like that song. Tell us more about it. What does it mean? Thank you. So um, the the chorus uh, says, Guillaume, I owe you the love That says, don't throw rocks at me. <laughs> and what it's what it's talking about is the is the bows. That's what we call um, you know Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever. Um, I I had a experience with one before I wrote this song where I heard it. I heard it crashing through the bush and I heard it hollering. I could smell it, and uh, the sound was coming. It was a really auditory little trip because the sound was this just such an awful scream and it was coming from all around like i couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from i was i was out goose hunting and then i got i got out of there very quickly and then i wrote this song and then um in there it also says i don't want to meet the the bigfoot there um because in our culture when uh when people have met it face to face Oftentimes they change. They come back different. Uh, it's it's uh, you know usually like a traumatizing experience, or you know their their personality changes. They become more aloof, kind of um, turn. Yeah, they just turn different. And I don't, <laughs> I didn't want to meet that thing, so I that's why I got out of there. But I ended up actually seeing one the, the summer after that, just uh, just on the river outside of where I live. Amazing, amazing, Jeremy. We're going to have to take a, a break here, but uh, we're going to listen to more music. We're going to talk more. Anyone listening, if you've got a question, you want to give a shout out to Jeremy or one of our other guests, 1-800-996-2848. The Fort Belknap Indian community is suing the federal government over inadequate funding for law enforcement, and the state is backing them up. We'll find out about the challenges the tribe is facing when it comes to keeping their citizens safe, and about other tribes confronting similar threats. That's on the next Native America Calling. Hey, <laughs> You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're hearing new music by Indigenous artists today. Please join the conversation by sharing your Native playlist. What's got you moving around and dancing this summer? Tell us at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. On the line is Jeremy Paul, and he's playing some music for us today, giving us some background on, on, on what drives him to create so much awesome music. And Jeremy, I think one thing that are, are, is really going to fascinate our listeners today is that you actually started out as a singer in a heavy metal band, and now you're doing this country western sound, the two-stepping, it's just got that old school kind of vibe. How did you end up 
here from starting out there playing metal? <laughs> yeah, I was really into it. You know, I kind of grew up in going to punk shows and uh, and moshing around in my teens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just really got into that that style of music and then did that for a while. We We were pretty successful. We ended up touring uh, South America in 2009 and we were the first first Canadian metal band to do so which was pretty neat um, but uh, yeah I don't know as I've got older I've like mellowed out a little bit I still listen I mean I was listening to Metallica's Ride the Lightning album yesterday like I still am like into <laughs> the music but like um, I, I just I just get a lot of enjoyment from playing playing yeah the old school country rock and roll kind of vibe and uh, a lot of the old people back home that have taught me the language are into that kind of music too so you know this uh, this album is kind of like a uh, uh, kind of a tip of the hat to them um, I love the, the genres of music but also you know it's stuff that's it's stuff that they can put into their CD player in their cars and enjoy too I just love your sound so much because we don't hear that kind of country music anymore on the radio and it's just changed country has changed so much with regard to, to the kind of country that, that, you know, gets the, gets the songs on the radio now. So what you're doing, you know, just bringing us back a little bit. I think so many people, even a lot of younger listeners, I think really appreciate that sound. And Jeremy, we're going to go ahead and, and hear another song from the album. I, I think we're probably going to be able to play a portion of it in the interest of time, but let's go ahead and take another listen here. really like that one too it's got kind of a kind of an outlaw sound it kind of reminds me like a little bit of that old Waylon Jennings stuff Jeremy 
Tell us more about that song. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, the the word Neil Wild is kind of what people say when they're when they're finished explaining something at great length, uh, which it kind of ties it all together and says, and that's what happened, or and that's how it is, or that's that's how it goes. And um, it's just it's just a song filled with teachings that have been handed down to me about our about our harvesting cycle and our seasonal rounds and what what uh, what we need to do as as people to um, to show respect to the land and waters and uh, their cycles and to to ensure the continuation of um, of abundance for our people. Well, it's another really, really good track from this album you've got out. And uh, we're going to move on to our, our, our next guest here. But again, this is Jeremy Paul, a.k.a. Saltwater Hank, laying down some really, really nice tracks here on Native America Calling today. If you'd like to give him a shout-out, 1-800-996-2848. Our next guest, Mark Merlanen, he is right here now. Uh lead singer and creator with the band Najwan. And uh, Mark, tell us, how would you describe Najwan's sound? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, I've been asked that over the years, and you'd think I'd have an answer prepared by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know, it's, uh, you know, it's a mix, I think, of... Um, it's very eclectic. We, we try to um, not repeat ourselves uh, from album to album. So... I like to say it's a mix of, you know, contemporary, you know, indigenous sounds and music along with uh, some folk and some rock and uh, whatever else, uh, whatever genre we decide to uh, to work on next. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. I think most of our audience is familiar with the phrase Skoden, but what can you tell us about this song we're going to hear, Land of Skoden? Yeah, that song actually I wrote shortly after uh, in Sudbury, Ontario, here in Canada. It's about four hours north of Toronto. Uh, back in 2018, uh, there was uh, some, uh, some people that uh, had spray-painted the word Skoden on the water tower in Sudbury. Uh, and, of course, many of the local residents there had no idea what Skoden even meant. Uh, and a lot of people were even fearful, uh, thinking uh, it was some sort of uprising or something. <laughs> um, so, so uh, the kids, uh, we'd often uh, I'd go visit my family. They live on the uh, First Nations community just outside of Sudbury, and uh, we'd go for a drive uh, from Toronto to Sudbury, you know, for a long weekend. And I'd tell the kids, "Jump in the car. We're going to the land of Skoden." Uh, because of the uh, the graffiti on the water tower, uh, and that's kind of how we've always referred to it. So I decided to write a fun little song, you know, about uh, about a road trip up to Sudbury. Uh, and currently, actually, Landis Scoden is being uh, considered for one of the top um, road songs of Ontario. Uh, it's in a contest here with TV Ontario. We were uh, selected about uh, just over a month ago, and. I'm very grateful to be a part of it, uh, but I don't expect to win because we're also up against uh, another Ontario artist uh, named Drake, who maybe uh, oh <laughs> some of your listeners are familiar with. So, uh, <laughs> Just a little <laughs> but bit. It's great to be a part of it, yes. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and take a listen now. This is Najwan, Land of Skoden.
Oh, wow. Um, that just sounds like an instant classic to me. I can totally hear that, Mark. Like, uh, like in some of these native movies and TV shows. Like, that is such a good road song. Great job. Great job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, tell us, I understand uh, the studio in which this album was recorded. There's a story there. Can you explain yeah, we actually, um, for the past couple records, uh, we decided to uh, not use a conventional sort of studio space. Um, I've got no problems with recording in, uh, you know, professional studios, but sometimes it's good to uh, kind of um, get out of your comfort zone and kind of uh, really experiment. Uh, and also to try to find a space that really lends to uh, the topic and the music and the subject of the record. So... Uh, over the past, uh, I guess now, it's been two years ago, I actually came up with the idea to put this record uh, together, songs about Lake Superior, songs where I grew up in northwestern Ontario. Uh, and that was inspired by a drive. Uh, this was during uh, COVID time, so uh, there was a lot of lockdowns here in Canada, as I'm sure there was everywhere else. Um, so uh, also to avoid, you know... Um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, getting COVID and uh, kind of adding to the whole, um, you know, sort of uh, health crisis we had here in Canada, uh, I decided to drive up to Thunder Bay. So instead of flying, um, flying it's only a two-hour trip, uh, but driving it's, it's a good 20-hour uh, drive. So I split that up over two days, but along the two days I decided to uh, take some photos and write songs, uh, stop along some scenic routes and uh, get inspiration from the lake and from the landscape. Uh, and then after I had written the songs, uh, I talked to my producer, Ron Skinner, uh, who co-produced the record, and we decided, well, we might as well record the entire record in the northwestern Ontario region, uh, preferably next to Lake Superior that, uh, you know, inspired all the songs. So we did a lot of searching. Well, actually, not we. He did a lot of searching. He did a lot of the uh, groundwork to try to find uh, a location. Uh, and we finally found a location just outside of Fort William First Nation, uh, which is just uh, like a 10, 15-minute drive from the city of Thunder Bay. Uh, so we set up, we basically trucked up a recording studio on all of our gear from Toronto uh, and set up in the Chippewa Park Pavilion, which is this... Um, giant sort of uh, basically log cabin uh, that they've built for uh, different events they have out there for weddings and other sort of functions so we rented the the space for a week and we set up and we recorded the uh, the record live off the floor well it really worked uh, the road trip and, and the studio and everything it just all came together for you great job again and tell us more about your bandmates mark uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, with these guys now for quite some time. Uh, the lineup of Najwan has kind of changed over the years because really the band is just me. Uh, but of course, uh, to perform live uh, and do these studio recordings, I, I know I can't uh, be in more places than once. I haven't uh, been able to clone myself yet, but I've got a great uh, bunch of guys that I play with, uh, Alex Minet on drums, Adam Gamori on bass, uh, Jean-Paul DeRover, uh, on backing vocals and uh, additional guitar, and we also have Brendan Pelche uh, as well, who does all the uh, the wicked uh, B3 organ work uh, that you hear as well. Uh, and then we have different guest players, of course, uh, that we bring in uh, for different uh, songs. Well, let's hear another song from the new album. Here's North of Superior. Oh 
That was the song North of Superior from Najuan's new album, The Great Sea. Mark, another really, really good track. And I spent a, a good portion of my childhood living in Michigan, so I can totally relate to the Great Lakes and just all of that energy. And you just do such a good job of capturing that. Really oh, great you. job. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to have to take another break here. But listeners, if you like what you're hearing today, if you like some of these songs, if you want to talk to some of these artists we have on our show today, our phone lines are open. So we will get you through. We'll get you connected. The phone number 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call 1-800-996-2848. That'll put you right through to our producers here at the studio, Native America Calling. And share your comments, share your thoughts. If you have a question, you can ask that too. 1-800-996-2848. We're coming back with Brock Stonefish right after this break. Education sovereignty. It begins with us. 
That's the theme of the National Indian Education Association's 54th Convention and Trade Show to be held in Albuquerque October 18th through the 21st. You have an important role to play in the ongoing effort to reclaim education sovereignty. The agenda includes an educator day, a student day, professional learning opportunities, and the NIEA awards ceremony. Early bird registration is July 28th at NIEA.org. We're tuned in to Native America Calling. We're talking with Indigenous music artists today and getting insights on their new songs. If you're a fan, join us and give a shout out. We're at 1-800-996-2848. You can also tell us about new singles and albums from your favorite Indigenous bands. We're at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our third guest on the show, Brock Stonefish. He is Lenape and Chippewa. Brock, thank you again for joining us. And uh, Turtle, Out, Turtle Island, this is your debut album. Tell us more about the stories we'll hear in these songs. Yeah, been touring for over 20 years across North America, and I even made my way down to over to South Korea at one point and uh, toured across South Korea and sang uh, some of my family songs. And... Uh, yeah, just all the all the songs that we started this project nine years ago, uh, me and Gary Farmer, and uh, he had me come to Santa Fe and record, and uh, I recorded. He said, "Well, think of your four four best songs that you can come up with, and uh, we'll we'll go on the studio and do them up." And so I did uh, "Residential Redemption," which was a song I wrote for. Uh, residential school survivors and, and victims and uh and myself I'm also a Indian day school survivor and uh but uh Turtle Island was another song that I wrote when I was in my younger days. Uh I was living down in Cape Cod, Massachusetts working at the Plymouth Plantation and I think it's called Patuxent Museum now. I think so. Uh, I'm familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, so I worked there as a as an artisan and interpreter and historian, and uh, so I was I was playing music when I was living down there. I was uh, playing five nights a week in Boston, and then I was working at the museum five days a week, and then I would work at uh, Gillette Stadium at all the Patriots home games uh, for a Mastercard company. So I. So I, I stayed down there and did all that and, and wrote all these songs. Uh, I wrote a lot of songs while I was living in Cape Cod. So Turtle Island was one of the first ones I wrote. And then the uh, same with uh, Butterfly Song when I was living there. I uh, had called home one time. I was uh, I was living in New York City, and I, and I returned back to the reserve for the powwow weekend. And... Uh, uh, one of my friend's uh, girlfriends had uh, passed away in a car accident, drinking and driving car accident. And I was the DD for that uh, for that night, and I was driving everybody around to all the parties and stuff to the 49s. And, and then, uh, then about daylight, I went and passed out, and, and I took everybody to the last party, and somebody decided to get in that car afterward and uh, the girl was killed and and so I wrote this song butterfly song dedicated to this, the girl's name was Tasha from uh, Walpole Island mm -hmm. and uh, so well, uh, 
but but that's what that song's about, and then I dedicate it also to the murdered, missing Indigenous women, because the lyrics, you know, it just it tells the story of, you know, a girl getting in a car and not coming home, eh? and uh, but uh, also I got the, another jingle dress song, uh, a traditional family song that I put out, added to the album, and it was about. Uh, my mother's jingle dress and it's it's in the language of the stony sioux and it was gifted to my mom uh from the people on the alexis reserve out in alberta and All right. uh, this, so the song was used to wake up her jingle dress that was given to her by the jibways uh, of uh shoal lake and where the jingle dress comes from so uh so yeah, I put that on there in memory of my mother because she's passed on, and my mother, my father's passed on as well. And my father's the one who got me involved with the Blues at an early age, traveling to all the hockey and baseball tournaments. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all right. I'd be the Muddy Waters and Eric Clapton and Elvis, like a lot of Elvis. <laughs> Yeah. Brock, this is this is wonderful just hearing about your journey into music and talking about your family and everything. And we're going to play Butterfly Song here in just a moment. Before we do that, we've got a caller. And, and Brock, this is somebody who you know well. You've already mentioned him. Your, uh, your good friend and collaborator, Gary Farmer. He's listening online. Hello, Gary. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hello, New Mexico. Gary, it's great to have you calling into the show here. Tell us more about your work with 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 Brock. You know, he's, uh, we're just on our way to the, our final show for this particular tour. Uh, we had dates a couple of weeks, and uh, it's been a, a long haul. And we're finishing up at a great venue in Ontario. Brock's going to start out tonight with a set and then the band he'll, the band will do a set and then Brock will join us for the final set of our tour and uh, you know he's a long time collaborator we toured we did a two month tour through America back in 2018 that's when we recorded uh, a few of these tracks and they just ended up on the rack till I finished my current project and I started listening and thought wow this is strong material let's get this out and uh, working with uh, John O'Manson there in Santa Fe we managed to produce uh, Brock's first CD which I thought was vital to the uh, music listening world uh, his material is really strong he's got such a powerful voice it was evident last night uh, when you put the five all-stars up there you just can't compare <laughs> with uh, Brock's vocal capabilities. So I've always uh, supported him any way I can as a musician and a player. So we had some good times on the road. <laughs> it sure sounds like it, Gary, and, and really appreciate you calling in today. And folks, Gary Farmer, we have the privilege of uh, Gary calling in today, noted native actor and musician uh, and collaborator with Brock Stonefish. Now let's go ahead and take a listen to some of this collaboration between Brock and Gary. Here's Butterfly Song. It must be grand entry time. The sun is sitting. 
Brother, you've been holding out on us here. You've been holding out on us. You've been touring forever. Why is it finally taking you so long to cut an album? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I've been, well, I just just haven't been uh, been in one place too long, I suppose. I uh, I, uh, I did get offered a, a record contract uh, back in 2004, and I turned it down with Sony EMI. And they wanted me to uh, record with their uh, with their uh, Christian Christian label, so and play on the Christian uh, circuit and do gospel music, and and that's kind of what they were wanting me to do, wanted my voice for. And uh, do you have I, any experience I, playing gospel? Was that anything you've ever, ever been into? Well, I suppose. Some of my writing styles, some of the songs I was singing at the time was a lot like R and B music, a lot of rhythm and blues, and and uh, and kind of almost like a doo wop kind of doo wop songs even. But uh, but yeah, they just I just didn't I wasn't feeling playing the Christian uh, being forced to only play Christian radio or whatever, right? And. Uh, and writing Christian songs, so they, you know, I'd have to write my songs the way they they want them, and and I would have been on. It was with uh, Marion Boo Frazier, and he was Dizzy uh, Gillespie's son, and they were working a lot with Queen Latifah, and 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 they were doing something with the Lincoln Center at. Uh, uh, I was I was all tied in there. I had an agent, and I, it was all happening so fast. And I turned down the record deal, and I went back, returned back to Canada. And then when I got back to Canada, it just seemed like I just struggled uh, 
being native for one uh to get any gigs and be taken serious and people were and and I was like here I was in New York City playing New York City and playing in Boston and all these these places and and all the bars and with the real blues guys and then I get come back home to Canada and everybody's shutting their door in my face for about 10 or 15 years. So mm. now people are starting to hear me and, uh, and, uh, I'm getting hurt again. So, well, I, I, I did take a time off about probably about five or six years. I'm like, I slowed right down and, and I didn't play any music at all. And, um, uh, with diabetes is is a big struggle too. I I would say the biggest struggle is is with my diabetes, and All right. uh, and so that's probably what's held me back for so long. Um, I I, I my legs uh, got bad there for a while, and they were always in pain. My body was always in pain, and my hands and my feet, and I wasn't playing guitar very much. And then I didn't think I was going to play guitar again, but but I ended up getting back, coming back from it. My my hands feel okay, and you know they're not hurting, and I can feel them. And but and I'm starting to get feeling back into my legs again, and back into my feet. Good. So good. I'm getting better in that way, and uh, and I just want to keep playing music now. And and a lot of and a big thing too is struggle with with me was uh, I struggled with alcoholism too for a, a real long time and. And I drank real heavily, like uh, like a, just like smoking cigarettes or something. And it was just uh, for a real long time. And, uh, and I finally I gave up that gave up the alcohol about uh, four years ago. And it was either stop drinking or die. And so, Brock, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm really really happy that you're doing well. And uh, you're living a good life, and your music's fantastic. I mean, definitely worth the wait, you know, 20 years yeah. to get a, a studio album, but it sounds fantastic. And I know that Gary, who's still on the line, uh, he plays harp on that song, Butterfly Song. And Gary, I want to go back to you before we wrap up, and just listening to Brock talk about the business of being a recording artist and dealing with these studios, it, it sounds like a, like a really tough grind. Is that pretty typical for a lot of Native artists? Oh yeah, they've got to find an independent way to produce their their sound, and that's where success comes because we've got venues like Native American Calling, and you know we've probably got about 500 radio stations on the continent now, uh, not including Mexico. But um, you know, it, it, now is the time. I think Brock's music is coming at the right time. You know, he just won best artist at the Toronto Jazz Festival and just recently and that's going to give my years worth of really solid gigs so we need to get him back in the studio get him writing again get some more new material and uh, get him back on the road for and that keeps him good you know we're we're going to play a couple shows tonight and it's going to be our final one it's you know he's like a brother we are related to our grandmothers a uh, long time so, uh, you know, he's family, and uh, I'll, I'll watch out for him. Well, that's good to know. Thanks, Gary. And 
we're going to have to wind up the show here. But but Brock, speaking of, of touring, like Gary mentions, I, I'm looking at your website and I see you're playing a lot of gigs up in Canada this summer. Any plans to make it down here to the States anytime soon? October 1st, I'll, I'll be playing, uh, heading down to Boston. And there's a couple events down there, and I, I just don't have the what they're called right now, the events. And, but they're around Boston, so I'll be back down in uh, Massachusetts anyway, October. And, All right, and coming I, up. I'll be working on that. I'm gonna. We just had a discussion. I'm gonna be trying to record a music video and a, and a single in September. Okay. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's going to be a song called Her Crystal Ball. All right. Brock, we're going to have to wrap it up today. I'm sorry we're out of time. Uh, but when you get back down there to Boston, hopefully you can go to another Patriots game. How about that? And we are going to have to wrap up now. Uh, big thank you to our guests today, Saltwater Hank, a.k.a. Jeremy Paul, Brock Stonefish, and Mark Merlanen for giving us Indigenous music to tap our feet to this summer. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Show McPoland is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Kwanic Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. Have a safe, relaxing weekend. Did you know that there could be a silent killer inside your home? You may know it, carbon monoxide. It's a poisonous gas that can't be seen or smelled. Yet, it can kill a family in a matter of minutes. You can protect yours by installing carbon monoxide alarms throughout your home. Find more on the dangers of carbon monoxide and additional safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.